0: Hey everybody! Back at the CBC Q and A podcast with the pastors, Pastor Isaiah Mackler and Josh Mack. Hope you guys are doing well. Nice. Hello, Will. How's it going? It's going we, well. we did the podcast last week, but unfortunately, the bozo that I am forgot to unplug it correctly, so that's all gone. But we're back this week. Exactly. It was just and God was censoring now. us. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Actually, actually, it was. Yeah. Anyway, it was it was a good one. Um we enjoyed it yeah very none, much and so
1: none of you will but we enjoyed it
0: very much so the summer is upon us june it's the week of june 6th and um man summer's upon us i know a lot of people are transition are like finally wrapping up school um getting that completed or they've already started their summer break and i know some of the what the roots youth high school middle school people um students they're talking about how can we make the summer the best right? Some of them is going to catch up on a lot of rest because <laughs> they didn't do a lot of that for the finals week or stuff like that. But any, any thoughts in regards to how to make these next, I don't know, month or two or however long their summer break is the best.
2: Mm. I think that's a, a definitely a great question. Uh, I'm glad to think of students and even all of us asking that, um, been challenged lately to just slow down and look at life and, uh, yeah, uh, think about the purpose of life. I want to maximize the amount of glory that I can generate for Jesus Christ uh, with my everyday life and with my summer. So certainly, doing that starts with at least asking that question. Uh, you're you're not going to maximize your summer if your summer is primarily about you, and even if about uh, the recreational activities that you you do, if they're primarily about you. So. Uh, it We are owned by Christ, and our uh, our goal in life is to make him look beautiful. And so why do we do uh, recreation during the summer? Well, one, we can give thanks to him for the good world that he's given us, and mm. two, that can uh, help us uh, have more energy to go and to serve him in other ways. Uh, but I think one big step to not wasting your summer is definitely uh, not thinking of your summer as primarily about being about your pleasure and your comfort. You you might have a lot of pleasure and you might be comfortable, but be about something bigger than that.
1: Yeah, I think that that's, I mean, great. Thank you, Dr. Uh I've been thinking about this 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 thing of rest. I don't know if I've said it here yet, but thinking about uh, resting to 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 work, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably you know a challenge, particularly for teens. It's not about whether they have summer work, but uh, um, as I think about my teen years or my college years, how much time did I spend staying up late just enjoying myself, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Just 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 pleasuring myself and mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, was, did that really make me a good worker the next day? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of crazy, but maybe summer's the time to get a good night's rest so that you can serve your family well or serve at your summer job well or serve your siblings well and uh, to try to seek, hey, with this day that I've got off, I've got no actual responsibility besides some chores, how can I bring as much glory to Christ as possible?
0: Because it's interesting, right? Because in the school year, you, there's so much structure and discipline and study and all these different things. And in the summer, you're thinking, okay, we'll let that go yeah. so we can like rest or do what's, what we like to do. But in reality, that's, like, that's not bad. You can still, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's still responsibilities that you have, especially as, as you move into adulthood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no quote-unquote summer break for like three or four months that you get to have. So it's not necessarily a good habit of just continuing, like, oh, I'll stay up late at night, watching the movies or playing the video games or doing whatever, and then waking up super late and keeping that momentum going.
1: Because you were still still bought with the price even during mm-hmm. summer. Really. Yeah. So your time is his.
0: Yeah. That's good. That's good. With that, we have a question that came in. Um, one of the questions that came in, and I'm wording it this way, with especially now on YouTube and podcasts with these commentators having strong stance from one perspective or the other, it's very easy to see if, you, if you're if you a person who doesn't have a strong stance in, we'll talk about politics, we'll talk about um, um, the, the topics that are current, Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ, um, a variety of things. If you don't have a strong stance on that, you seem weak or you seem wishy-washy, mm. how do you, how do you Believers, how do, how, how should we live in that environment when we, especially we don't have enough time to like study both sides and all the nuances. Mm. How how should we go about that, that thought process? Mm.
2: Yeah, well, I think that each one of us faces this in our relationships with other people. And, uh, it's uh, good to start by remembering that uh, you are a servant of Christ. And so, uh, the ultimate goal is not to make everybody happy with you or to, uh, please everyone but actually to live in such a way and speak in such a way that brings glory to God so it's important for all of us to be motivated by a desire to please Christ more than we are the approval of people and so that can go either way you know you can if you're motivated by a desire for the approval of people you can say very little or you, people don't always realize this but you can say a lot sometimes you gain the approval of people by just saying things super strongly Mm. and so it might look bold or it might look cowardly but either way it's really about the the fear of man and so i think it's important to start by saying i am a servant of christ my desire my goal has got to be to bring glory to christ then second my words belong to christ so i don't actually get to just say whatever i want to say Mm -hmm. Uh, I, i i have been given words by god to glorify him and to help others so it's not just here in this situation i want to just say anything no i need to step back and think okay how can i use my words to advance the cause of of christ and then uh... it's good to recognize the different temptations that you're going to face when it comes to a controversial issue so one temptation that some of us face more than others is to be uh... too soft and uh, to not be willing to call things as they are because we're so worried about uh, perhaps offending someone else. So that's a real legitimate temptation. Others though, and I don't know that people always realize this is a temptation as well, their temptation is going to be to speak more than they know Mm -hmm. and to speak so strongly. And we do live in a culture that loves Mm -hmm. super dogmatic statements. And Automatically, almost, sometimes people equate super dogmatic statements with courage and with uh, really taking a stand for Christ. And yet, uh, the reality is, sometimes uh, you are not, you, you're actually, there, things do have nuance. And recognizing the nuance isn't being cowardly as much as it is speaking true. So when you speak too dogmatically, yeah, you do get some props from a certain group of people, because they're like, wow, this guy's so strong, he's so courageous, but actually you're lying. You are actually lying, because you're you're distorting, Uh, you're not telling things as they are. And so... I think it's good for us as servants of Christ who have been given words to speak for the glory of Christ to recognize, okay, these are two temptations I'm going to face when it comes to a controversial issue. We might even ask ourselves, what is my temperament? Which which mm. way am I going to be uh, more uh, tempted? And to recognize that. And then um, also to realize that there are... There is wisdom that is necessary. So the the Bible talk, it's not just a matter of I can say whatever I want to say, whenever I want to say it, even if I'm speaking what's true. So even if I've researched the issue and I do know what's true, it's not quite as simple as I always get to say it however I want to say it. Uh, The Bible says, answer a fool fool according to his folly, and then it says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. And the idea is that there are... uh, complexities in life that you need to think about. How do I, I've got knowledge, I've got truth. How do I make knowledge acceptable in this situation? And what really is my goal in this situation? And so um, is it a time to protest and recognize that, you know what, I'm going to speak and I'm going to say this really loudly. And it's not going to convince anybody on the other side, but I just need to, uh, for the glory of God, put out my protest, right, pick, or pick a stand. do I actually want to communicate? Do I actually want to uh, convince? Do I actually want to persuade? Then probably I'm gonna need to think through how I mm-hmm. communicate so that other people will will listen uh, to me in this particular uh, situation. And then also to recognize what responsibility do I actually have, uh, who am I, and the person I'm talking to, what kind of relationship do I have with them and then to you know when we post things on social media for example or you know most of that is to people that we barely know Mm. and so uh, okay what responsibility do I have to people I barely know and what responsibility do I have to people that I do know Uh, it's it's often it's often different and then of course you you know always we want to look at our own motives is this really about the love of God and about the love of my neighbor, or is this a kind of I don't know virtue sing- signaling, uh, in whatever way it it comes across? Uh, it's not our job to be the judge of everyone else, but certainly we need to evaluate our own motives in these particular uh, particular situations. Then I think uh, also it's wise to be careful. Like some some topics, we have. Uh, no, we have absolutely no experience with. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that we can't speak and say what the Bible says about that. But we we do have to recognize that like our lives, we, we just have never engaged with that. So a lot of people, for example, want to speak about, and now we're going to get in trouble, but like we'd like to speak about uh, certain racial issues. And it's like, okay, of course, we need to think about this and we need to, uh, talk about this from a biblical perspective, but do you have any deep friendships with somebody who is coming from that context? Well, no. You have, you've never You've never had a long conversation with somebody from that context except for an argument. No? Okay, well, maybe a first step would be if you really feel like you need to talk about this and it will be valuable for you to talk about this and you have biblical insights to talk about this, maybe a better first step than Posting something somewhere would be to actually develop a friendship with another believer from that context. And that's going to take a longer amount of time, but it, it may give you insights that you need, or you might have developed the kind of relationship where you can give them insights that they need uh, that will be more long term helpful. That's almost a sermon. I, I, yeah. I
1: can see I, Well, I don't need think about much this. to add to that. Yeah.
0: I think what I'm thinking about, because a lot of that is leading up to posting or not posting to some degree. Like, why do we, to think about, like, why do we need to make a stand? Why do we need to say something? Um, Do we have a position? And sometimes I think people can take that as like, oh, okay. I'd just rather not think about it. You know, I'll I'll just push that off. I don't need to do anything. But like you're saying, there are people in positions, whether it be, like, even in our our church, you're a life group leader, maybe. You're a transformation group leader, like, this, these type of things need to be talked about to some degree, right? How do we how do we uh, work through it? So I think some people are just easy, like oh, okay. In light of that, I just rather not think about it. Right. But that's not right either. Yes. Right, because you're you're talking about there's an aspect of like that fear of man, like it's it's about me and like my comforts or what other people may think about me. And so in light of those things, I'll act accordingly. Yes. I'll I'll act in the sense I'll make a post out there because I know a group of my people will, will like that, give it a thumbs up, will comment. Will back me on that or like you don't know and you're putting yourself out there and you might get the like on the other pendulum is you'll go you'll get canceled because you put that post out there right and so it's just easier oh I'm not gonna get involved I'm not gonna participate yeah which isn't right either
2: no I think it's good to to be motivated by love of God and love of neighbor and ask why do I feel such a compulsion to say something right now mm-hmm. about this is it because everybody's shouting about this and I just want to get my voice in there? Or is it because people actually need help thinking this through? And I have some sort of relationship with them in which I have uh, the opportunity to give help. And then if in that, in that setting, it's like, yeah, then I better step up. You know, the Lord's put me in this situation. These people really do need help in this. They're going to work and having to think this through. Then I would feel a lot more burdened to do the work to To have something to say than I would, like, I just need everybody's talking about this and I need to, you know, put something out there real quickly so that they can know I have an opinion about this too. It's like, well, no, that's 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 not the best motivation.
0: Right. That's, that's helpful to think about. And I th- obviously, if there's more questions and thoughts, I mean, spending time to be able to talk through it with you guys would be the best to go into those different nuances, I'm sure. Right. Yeah.
2: Well, it's great to... If you have relationships in which you can have long conversations where there's back and forth and you're both pushing each other to think biblically, that is, that's
1: yeah.
2: a positive kinds of mm. kind of friendship that we should pursue. Sometimes speaking so strongly without much knowledge uh, shuts down conversations mm. and makes it difficult for, for you to grow. So uh, I think there's got to be a way to take bold stands and also be open to learning. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: good. With that, why don't we transition to our Sunday message from Luke 5. We're sort of finishing off a series uh, we've talked about um, from Luke 5. And one thing I want to sort of start doing is like some aha, some things that stood out from the message from whether it be this past Sunday or these past... um, series of messages on Luke 5. Were there, Isaiah, from your perspective, anything that stood out to you from whether it be this Sunday or the, the series on Luke 5?
1: Well, I mean, it was, it was neat just meditating this uh, morning. I think it's the main idea uh, of, of the message, but it's sweet to think about that um, our job is not to be more worthy right? That we're, that we're not trying. We do want to live in a way that is worthy, that, that, that matches up and that brings honor to Christ, um, but that we can't take, you know, I was just thinking about how many, I don't know if it was a picture of God's holiness and where we are, how many billions and billions of miles it would be mm. and imagining outer space distances and, you know, any single thing that we could do isn't going to take us a step closer mm in worthiness right to understand that 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 we are sinners in need of a savior and so that any kind of anything that we can do or add to it it's not taking a step closer and so the sweet spot really is kind of being humbled and saying i'm just a sinner in need of, in need of a savior and uh, and so that my worth is going to be in god calling me to be in christ and uh, yeah, so that's just been some sweet meditation. I'm not sure that that's an a- a- a aha moment, mm. but it- it's been neat thinking about. Sure. sure. Yeah, I've
2: just been thinking about the danger of self-righteousness and in, in particular uh, this morning asking myself, why is self-righteousness such a terrible sin? Uh, because uh, here you have the Pharisees and somebody was even mentioning this to me after the sermon and you have these people that are seeking to do good, they're seeking to keep God's law, and yet ruining it by uh, making it about themselves. And I think sometimes we hear, we, you know, self-righteousness is so bad, self-righteousness is so bad, and yet it's kind of like, take a step back and be like, well, why is that so awful that you're taking something good and you want to show it to God as something that could uh, make him happy? or? uh earn his favor I guess would be a better way of saying it because it clearly is uh, a horrifying sin to Paul if you think about the book of Galatians he's like uh, I wish these guys would emasculate themselves so mm-hmm. you know because they're they're using a, a ritual uh, as a means of earning favor with God and Paul's not just like okay that's cute or that's uh, that's little bit of a problem. He's like, this is a terrible sin. And then even Jesus here with, I came not to call the righteous, but mm-hmm. to call sinners. And I think he's primarily talking about self-righteous there. So what what is it about this sin that is so horrible? And um, yeah, what
1: do you guys think? I mean, it, was, it would seem like, like it just betrays um, the fact that um, someone that isn't really aware of God, right? So that they really don't know God yet if they think that they're more righteous than they are. Not that we can't all struggle with that because we forget that and we don't yet see him in all of his holiness. So that's going to be a, a constant... Um, it's going to be a constant need to know God more, but the fact of like self-righteousness, though, is pride. I mean, really, it's lying about God, right? It's lying that he is different from who he is because we think that we can and that we're closer to him than we really are. Um, so one reason it's terrible is it's a lie about God, mm-hmm.
2: and, uh, his holiness, and then also... Uh, the kind of salvation that he's provided. So mm. it's like looking at the salvation he's provided and either saying it's not enough or I don't need it. Right. So that's a big deal because God is not a subject. Mm-hmm. He's actually mm. a person who wants to have a relationship with, with you and also yeah. because the story is ultimately about his glory. And so in a sense you're a liar and a thief by, by trying to take glory away from God. It's also uh, self-righteousness is a hor- horrible sin because of what it, it ends up doing. So like when I try to boast in something I've done, that actually not only doesn't glorify God, but it's not good in, in, in this world and is actually what is at the root of right. so much conflict. And uh, I, I often think of racism as an illustration of self-righteousness because what is a racist trying to do but use his skin color or his cultural background as a means of exalting himself, maybe with God or in the eyes of of others. But the point is when you are trying to justify yourself, it kind of doesn't seem like a big deal when you say it, just to put it on the table, but you look at what it's done in the history of the world and you see, wow, boasting in self divides people. Uh, It ends up, yeah, producing death. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I was, I was thinking too, sort of tied to that, was like, um, we're talking about how we're, we're more like the Pharisees than we think. Oftentimes, I mean, rightfully so, like Pharisees are the enemy. They're the bad guys and there's good guys in the sense of believers, followers of right. Christ. And yet at the same time, I was like, wait a second, huh? Yeah, it's not too far off. Right. And so I know there was a question that did come in in regards to saying Pharisees were keeping the law. Right, they're doing their best. They're they're doing even more than was written. But how did they do it in such a wrong way that mm-hmm. it was like it was damning them? It, it was in the sight of God, it was um, yeah, it was bad inside of God. Sin inside of God.
2: Yeah. I think that is such a helpful question because we do tend to read the gospels and automatically put the Pharisees in the bad guy spot and not recognize there's a little com- more complexity mm-hmm. to it in that they really arose for what we would feel like is hey, that's a pretty good Motivation—you're not wanting Israel to compromise. You recognize we got kicked out of the land because we weren't serious about the law, and now we're trying to. The Greek culture's coming in, and we're all becoming like Greeks and not caring about the law. No, we've got to get back uh, to the law. So it's helpful to 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 say, well, let's look again. And I think that's part of why Luke is written. Actually, (laughs) Luke is uh, exposing what was at the heart of uh what made what what the pharisees did get wrong um and i think one obvious thing one obvious illustration they're an obvious illustration of the danger of uh, of self-righteousness and what can easily happen is that uh, the law our obedience to the law becomes more important than the law giver and so here jesus comes and you're like these are good guys they're they're keeping the law they're they're working hard and yet their response to Jesus reveals no they're actually not as good as you think because mm. they've made it about themselves and so here Jesus is doing obvious i mean it's obvious he's the messiah he's checking every box and yet they so much want to be the hero of the story mm. that they they they're 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 saying Jesus we don't want you we reject you and so i think that's uh, that's the danger for all, that we all face is we really want to be the hero of the story this has been just so i wanted to get this in here today cuz it's something that's almost like revolutionary to me it's so obvious but like we all come into this world and we basically look at this world from our own perspective and so we picture this world as if it were a story that were primarily about us, mm. and so everybody else exists. This is Josh's world. You know, uh, I can't even imagine the world without me in it. Mm. You know, even when I think about death, it's sort of like, well, all these people missing me. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> um, so I've had that thought. We kind of the world
1: is such a worse place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: We kind of have this picture of we're the central character in the story, and we get really bothered when people don't recognize it. And we're trying to shape the world where we're the central character of the story and God is a secondary character. And so that's where I think a lot of our problems with God come in. Like when we read the Bible and we see him doing things we don't understand, we're like, but I'm the center of the story. Mm. That's kind of what we don't get about. You know, death reveals that as a lie. It's like death is like, take you out of the world. A hundred years from now, your great grandkids don't even know who you are. Mm. So how can you be the center of the story? You Mm. know, you you're not the center of the story. God is the center of the story. But as long as you think you're the center of the story, you mess everything up, even Mm -hmm. God's law. So God's law and repentance even and faith becomes more about, hey, these are means for me to be the hero. And the biblical story is God is the hero. God is the hero. And the story is about him. If you can just let the story be about him, you can understand everything, and so one part of the story is he is the one who provides salvation, mm. not you. Mm. And so uh, he's going to give you. Your job is to receive. Your job is to uh, trust that he's good, and to put all that junk down that you're clinging to, and uh, open your hands so you can take the gift that he's going to give. But if you have to be the hero of the story, uh, that that that's going to really bother you, and uh, you might end up crucifying Jesus. Mm. <laughs> One
0: one thing I was thinking about is that you could potentially miss the point. You can miss the point by listening to this message or this series. Because um, when you're talking about tax collectors and uh, describing them, I was like, hmm, I'm having a hard time. Because, like, I don't see my accountant friends or CPAs or financial advisors as, like, th- like uh, so bad. Right? right. Like, so shocking that you would hang out with these people. It's like, oh, these are probably good people to have in your, your network. Uh, but when you are describing it, I was like, whoa. That's, like, it's more of, like, those are, like, pimps and like drug lords and like corrupt politicians and and you can go down the uh go down the line in regards to things those who are betraying their community those who are going yeah all those things um i feel like a way to miss the point potentially is that if you're someone who hasn't done a heinous sin right you you aren't like um yeah you haven't done a heinous sin do I need, I'm still vanilla. I haven't done anything really bad in my life, so I don't feel like that unworthiness or need to be like that contrast. Do I need to do something? That, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. In the sense of like how, how you can twist it? Isaiah, do you, do you get so, what
1: i So you're saying that you need to do something bad so you're more heinous? Yeah,
0: and to some yeah. degree. It's like, oh, wow, I see like these yeah. are the people
1: who God's coming for. Yeah, well, please don't do that. Well. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Right, right.
0: <laughs> but it's just like some people could, could miss the point in thinking yeah. like, oh, like, I know I'm a sinner, but, yeah. like, I've been growing up in the church. I've been going to Bible yeah. studies, and I'm, like,
1: I'm not that bad. Yeah, yeah it, it is. I guess it's 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 scary to hear you say that, but it, it's true, right? Yeah. Because people do say that, and and you hear that when people kind of apologize for their salvation testimonies. Right, not exactly. a really exciting story here. I'm right. sorry no, I grew seriously. up in a Christian home. And uh, um, so what's scary, I think, is that... Um, I think that can, I guess that that understanding can keep you from saving faith, right? Because it does reveal that you don't really get who God is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so the way that we see God for who, who he is is revealed in his word and revealed in the person of Christ. And if when we compare ourselves to Christ, we're not mortified at how different we are and how far, how far we fall short apart from his grace, um yeah, that, that is kind of scary whether someone has been humbled. Mm. Yeah. Right. Um, so I don't know if that's exactly what you're saying. At the same time, I can think about my story. And if the Lord allows you to... Do more wicked things to humble you. I guess that that can be his grace too. Sure. Um, so I'm. I guess I'm thankful to see more of my sin exposed. Um, I say it's a far better way to instead of having him expose more of your sin, if you are willing to uh, say, I'm just going to take his word for it and uh, and let uh, sin be utterly sinful because of its disparity from him. And just it, he he's good, and this is his law. And it says, if I don't love him with all my heart, soul, and mind, I'm worthy of judgment. Hmm. How do I not love him with all my heart, soul, and mind? Instead of saying, well, I really wish I had done more wicked things yeah. so I could be exposed. It can um, be really helpful uh, to call sin what it is. Hmm.
2: And so I think that uh, sometimes we don't help ourselves because we lie. <laughs> so that <laughs> yeah. to say, if I'm in a position where I'm saying, I wish I'd done more heinous sins, I'm not as bad as other people. Okay, you know, I... I no. It's scary to hear you let's say that. Think yeah, about, yeah, let's, right. think, let's think about what you've actually done. Yeah. And I think the reason why you don't feel like it's that heinous is because you're lying to yourself. Mm. So, like, this one I've been struck with lately is just sexual temptation. So, a lot of times people act as if sexual temptations like this. Almost nowadays, like, it's almost like a small sin. And it's like, okay, I know I shouldn't look at pornography, uh, but, you know, is it really that big a deal? And then you're just like, Whoa. Does this reveal, like, how good we are at lying to ourselves? Because imagine for a second, like, take sexual sin out of the world and think about how different this world would be. So, like, it's just an illustration to me of how easy it is to lie because it's like, okay, sexual temptation, sexual sin, it's, it's, I know it's bad, but it's not that bad. Wait a second here. How much damage has sexual sin done in this world? Like... Sexual sin has broken families. It's uh, destroyed lives at a young age. Uh, people's, you know, are enslaved because of people's sexual sins. It has uh, taken careers away. I mean, if you want to talk about what sec- sexual sin has done in this world, this is obviously like a terrible, terrible sin. It's like, it's just brutal kind of dictator and yet we can be like well no it's just a, it's just a temptation <laughs> oh my goodness mm-hmm. we lie we lie pride you know call pride what it is mm-hmm. pride is I want to be God and I want you to worship me so okay it, um, I'm sitting here thinking that's not uh, that big a deal no I am saying <laughs> I am saying that I am the king of the world mm-hmm. and you know when we get angry and we yell what that's kind of what Jesus is doing in Matthew 5 isn't it he's like he's not saying he, he's actually like look at that sin for what it is you know you're like oh I'm not a murderer no but look at your anger what is going on in there you're like Josh 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 every must one must bend to the will of Josh and if you don't bend to the will of Josh then I will punish you huh so it helps uh it, when we start to feel that sort of like well I I'm not that bad a a sinner, then it's like, okay, stop. Jesus came for sinners. Mm. So you better figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> right. so, and it's not like you're going to have to pretend to be a really right, bad sinner. Right, right. you just not, you're like deluded. So let's, let's pray and prayerfully think and call things for what they are. Not so that we just detest ourselves and stop there, but so that we go to go right. to the Savior who loves to show mercy to sinners. So,
1: right, yeah, right, right so that we know that we're a sinner, right, because that's who Jesus came for. Yes. Yeah, right, so if we don't know that we're sinners, and, like, that's where, where it's not just to know that I have sinned, but to know that that in me, apart from Christ, there is no good thing, you know, that I am not capable of obeying God's law, that by nature I enjoy being an enemy to him. I prefer being an enemy to him apart from his grace working in me yeah so to let sin be truly sinful Mm. and uh Mm. yeah I mean it is interesting how 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 has kind of come up a theme of how dangerous lying is and um um, but that's exactly what Satan does, right? So Satan has been a liar from the beginning, and he's been a murderer, and so that is how he works. He wants us to 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 to, to believe lies, and it's, it's amazing how, when the image of God is kind of broken by the fall in us, we become liars, right? Mm-hmm. We don't we don't do truth; uh, we prefer lies. So that is, I mean, it's the very evidence of the brokenness of us is that we lie about our sin. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the person we're best at lying to is usually ourself. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Wow.
0: Well, another question that did come through was um, repentance and seeing how repentance can almost seem like a work. Hmm. It's like, well, if we're saying that no works will earn our salvation before God, but it seems like repenting is an uh, is a work in and of itself. Can you guys talk about that? And
1: uh, Yeah. Yes, I can always talk, <laughs> and then uh, Joshua can come and fix it in a minute. No. Uh, yeah, so, 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 it, so it is repentance a work that earns God? Um, so God gives us commands, and, uh, and he gives several commands in the way that we are to respond to him. And um, um, we are to repent, and that's one of the commands that he gives he gives other commands like turn to Christ, um, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. Those are commands too. Mm. Um, we have to uh, submit to God. So our turning from sin and turning to God, whether it's the first time w- when we are saved mm. or you know the billionth time when we see our sin exposed again and we're turning to him, um, it is always about, uh, about believing right? It's always believing that he is willing to receive sinners who come humbly to him in repentance. Uh, But it's always about obedience. It's always about change, right? So there's Mm -hmm. always going to be um, like like we can't kind of pick and choose and say, well, believing in Jesus is not a work, but repentance is a work. Mm -hmm. Well, these are the same these are the commands that come from the same God, Mm. you know? So, so obviously uh, the, I mean, he, he's, he's not divided in his mind. He's not schizophrenic. Um, So he, he's good. He doesn't play games with us. And so when he calls us to come to him, he calls us to come to him in, in submission. He calls us to come to him in faith. He calls us to come to him in, In repentance, so obviously there has to be to to be something kind of like ultimately not true that repentance is a work because really what it's saying is obeying a command is a work or or it's it's what someone could be kind of fearing Mm. is that obeying a command is a work. Well, is is believing a work? Um, Well, no. So really, this is just about how God wants us to come to him and the kind of coming to him he wants us to have, right? It is humble and needy and loving obedience and saying, your laws are good and, of course, I'm going to submit to you even though I know at times my flesh I don't want to. And, uh, um, yeah, so all of that is faith, right? So repenting and saying, uh, sin is disgusting and your laws are delight. That is faith there. So so it's I don't know, it's just an impossible I think to to, to unweave those various commands he wants us to obey. Now I think mm-hmm. a whole other side is is what is a work. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. I can toss that to you, Joshua. So if yeah. repentance, it doesn't have to be a work. I guess it could be a kind of mm-hmm. work. So what yeah. would make a work a work as mm-hmm. compared mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. obedience? Yeah. Well I think we can mess everything or up. Or fix everything else I just said, yeah. Yeah,
2: no, we can mess everything up in terms of uh, Any good thing God gives, of course, Satan wants to um, distort. He's the the sower of death. He's the death planter. So he wants to Mm. uh, plant death everywhere he can and uh, even in the the good things. So we can mess everything up. And one simple way we can mess anything up is by making it about ourselves. And so
1: Mm. repentance
2: is certainly uh, supposed to be about uh, God is so good and he's wise and I trust him. And so I'm holding this thing in my hands tightly that is, uh, I like, (laughs) maybe, but I'm trusting that Jesus knows better than I do. And so I'm going to put it down and turn to him and follow him uh, and believe what he says, because I know who he is. And I'm going to call this what he calls it. But what we want to do with everything is make it about us, And so repentance, we turn it into a kind of work, I suppose, when, okay, now I've got to make it about how much I cry. Hmm. I've got to make it about how sad I look. Hmm. I've got, if I can get sad enough, then maybe Jesus will right. be willing to forgive me. Or oh, I've got yeah. to add satisfaction to this. So, like, I've, I've got to uh, come and I've got to do, I can't just accept that he forgives me. And that he's a, a gracious. Now I've got to say I'm sorry. And then for the next two weeks, I've got to mostly feel like he hates me and uh, always be, you know, get out this whip, mm. whip myself on mm. the back. Mm-hmm. This is a lot of yeah. religion. So it's obviously a pretty deep temptation for, for people. They form all sorts of systems around uh, penance, how to compare yeah, penance yeah. And, mm-hmm. and satisfaction of sin. Uh, And so, uh, true repentance believes that God keeps His promises, and God says He's a God who forgives sinners, and that's why I'm coming in repentance, is uh, because I'm trusting His promises that they're true, not thinking that okay, if I just look sad enough. uh, Of course, we we want to say let's be sad. (laughs) Be sad. It's sin. But I'm sad because I believe. I believe that God is is true and good. I'm not sad because somehow I think enough sadness is going to make my daddy happy with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, this is about, yeah. it's easy for me, easier for me sometimes to think about why it's so messed up when I think about my own son and think, okay, if my son comes to me and he spent, he's done something wrong and he spends the next five weeks beating up on himself and saying, oh, daddy, I, I know you say you love me, but I don't believe it because I am such <laughs> a bad boy. I'm such a bad boy. That's not actually honoring to me. Hmm. I certainly, I want him to feel sorrow over his sin. It's not honoring him for him to be like, oh, I don't care. But at the same time, I don't say, hey, son, you need to feel so much sorrow so that I can really know that you are worthy of being forgiven. No, that's not <laughs> what's going on here. Hmm. But I might be like, son, let's, do we realize what we've done? this is something to be sad about, but I love you, boy, I love you so much, and I forgive you, so you're not going to honor me either by sort of pretending or, or trying to earn this forgiveness. It's a, it's a promise. It's a relationship. Uh, it's not something that you have to perform to a certain level to obtain.
0: Can we go into that practical aspect of things in regards to that relationship since you brought up that like hypothetical situation? So, so as a parent, and so, say for uh, so, your son cheated on a test and lied to you, and thought and, and forged your name, stuff like that, right? And uh, he's confessed. He's asked for uh, asked for forgiveness. You've forgiven him, but there could be, I mean, in the sinfulness of us. It's like, oh, he might be going down that track again. You know, he might something. So, how do you deal with something like that as a parent, thinking about, okay, I do forgive you, right? I don't want you to. Um, put on burden that you shouldn't have. Um, but at the same time, how do we progress next time if, if this does
2: come up again? Or how do we go about in that situation relationally, You think? Yeah, well, one thing to remember is that it's not first and foremost about you as the dad. And again, we want to be the hero of the story. So our son cheats. That's embarrassing. Uh, that's, that's something that brings us shame as well. And so because of that, uh, we have to be very careful that this doesn't become primarily about, you made me look bad and I want to make you feel bad until you recognize that you don't do this to your dad. This, you're a a Mac, you know, Macs don't (laughs) cheat or whatever. So no, this isn't, Lord, please help me. That's one of my prayers, not to take this situation that um, it's sad, my son, this reveals something about his relationship with you. So it is sad, mm-hmm. but not. and he needs to grow. He's just revealed something about his view of the world. I've got to figure out what is tempting him to cheat in this situation. Is it he wants to earn my favor, or is it that he hasn't studied, he's been lazy? There's mm-hmm. lots of different routes to True. cheating. But the point is, I don't want to go into that situation, make it all about me, and therefore miss the moment, which is about how do I help my son, first and foremost, in his relationship with God. And so, ultimately, part of that is going to be helping him think about what does this reveal about your relationship with God. What does this? Uh, what does? How? How is he understanding what has happened here? Uh, and, and then, of course, it's going to go from there. If he's feeling grief and he recognizes this as sin against, it's clear he understands what has happened. Then there's going to be a certain gospel, uh, that kind of proclamation that needs to happen. If he is uh, clearly doesn't see, can't even explain what is wrong with this. It just I, then I okay. I got another approach I have to take as a as a dad. I, I obviously uh, he's going to have to. I'm, I'm going to need to pray and also think about how do I help him see why sin is so serious. Now if he's asked for forgiveness and I'm just worried, hmm. uh, is he going to do it again? I would hmm. say okay. One yeah, I've I've just learned something about my son is that he has a or daughter, they, they, in this situation, there's, they face a temptation. So now how do I prepare them for the next temptation? Mm. And I don't think that uh, me using shame, because there's lots of bad tools you can use to accomplish a good end, because they work. So shame, manipulation, uh, fear. If I can just make him afraid enough of me, mm. right. uh, then he won't do it again. Yeah, I... I you know, it's not that hard to figure out how kids work. You can use a lot of those bad tools to get what you want on the surface. But I don't want to simply get what I want on the surface. I want to get to his heart, and so I want to use good tools, good tools to get to the heart. And so I would need to think about, okay, he's asked for forgiveness. He faces this. He's going to face this again in the future. Okay, what is it? How can I prepare my son for this next moment? What are the truths that he needs to believe to be ready for that moment? What are the, uh, you know, the self-awareness that I need to help him have as he's going into that, to know about himself that, okay, this is a, I've just learned something about myself in these pressure situations. Uh, what lies am I going to be tempted to believe? I would want to unpack that. What were you believing at that moment that mm, you cheated, mm. that you thought this would work? Okay, so why is that a lie? And then what is the truth that I, you need to replace that? And so in that sense, I can prepare him for that next moment. I recognize also as well, he's a sinner like I am, mm. that uh, it's, it, it, he may do this again, and then how am I going to respond then, and even what is that going to reveal about him in that moment, and uh, how am I going to make knowledge acceptable to him? Mm. So parenting uh, is, is, is work. It's shepherding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you really, this, you know, you can get short-term solutions. It's easier to get short-term solutions. Uh, with bad, with bad tools, and so a lot of times we'll compromise for that for to get the short-term solution because we're lazy. Mm. The long-term solution, it, it may not look as great in the middle, mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, and it might be a slower process. But the the end game is that uh, they're transformed from the heart out. Mm. Uh, and if all you're content with is just sort of uh, fixing the externals through these bad uh, solutions, then it's just a matter of time. You might get to like they're 18 and they look great, but they're gonna get 25, 26, 30. They're not gonna be afraid of you anymore in the same way and they're just gonna hide it from you and do their own thing. Or they're just gonna say, forget dad, forget mom. I'm just gonna do what I wanna do. And that it worked for the first 18 years maybe a little, but it didn't really work long term.
1: Right. So since uh, we've kind of transitioned to talking uh, ab- ab- about parenting, Joshua, how do you um, – ca- so those conversations with your kids are, are great to be cultivating about their heart. I've talked to parents with young kids who are kind of like, like trying to process through how do you – they're kind of like – they're kind of too young to be processing a lot about their hearts yet. Maybe that the parents are having to tell them, um, but I felt like um, some of the parents maybe have expressed concern about how high do you hold them to obedience? Mm. What kind of things do you give them consequences for when their hearts aren't able to obey yet? Okay, right? Does that kind of make sort of make sense? Kind, kind of as so it's so like I guess do you parent? like that at every age? Are there things that you emphasize at at younger ages? Yeah, there are a lot of good questions in there. One, parenting is a long game. So
2: when I'm parenting a two-year-old, I'm not just parenting them for when they're two. I'm parenting them for when they're 18. So I want to teach calculus. But I don't teach... I know to get to teach calculus, it's not going to just show up that they're 18 and I can teach calculus. I've got to have done a lot of preparatory work to get to the point where my uh, son is going to understand calculus spiritually, and so I view those early years as opportunities to put foundational truths in place that are going to enable me to have better conversations with them as they grow older. And so, you know, some of this people make I think way too too complicated. It's a little uh, confusing, but like why they make it so complicated, but like when you, when they're young, one of the things that we definitely want to do uh, is very clearly teach them that uh, their job is to obey <laughs> and that sin has consequences. Mm-hmm. And so those are two of, when they're really young, those are two just basic goals that their job is to obey and sin has consequences. And so that requires a high level of of consistency, and so uh, part of what we're trying to do in those early years is a lot of law. To mm-hmm. be honest, <laughs> uh, it's like establishing a, a rhythm, a pattern that when Daddy or Mommy speaks, your job is to uh, to <laughs> listen and to do what they say. Now, you get that in place, then later you're going to have um, better conversation. Another big job, honestly, your kid, your child comes out of the womb thinking they're God. So mm-hmm. your first few years is you want to help them realize they're not God. Now, if you're spending the first six years teaching them that they are God, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. don't be surprised that's not going to work when you sit down to have conversations about uh, more important matters because they're coming at it from I am the center of the world. Right. And so th- that's, you've, you've, you've trained them in that for 13 <laughs> years. Yeah. So why do you think you're going to be able to talk about things well when that's how they view the world? Mm-hmm. Those are really good things to think about. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um yeah. I mean, There's a lot more, but I see yeah, that we've sure. been talking for a long time. <laughs> I think. Th- yeah. I think. We're just
0: from- getting
1: started. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: I think
0: with that, I think that's a good uh, way to wrap up um, our our podcast for today. Again, for those who are interested, feel free to reach out to us. There's a questionnaire online. Feel free to reach out to the pastors or any questions or uh, thoughts that you have that we can talk through. Be helpful. We also have Taco Tuesdays, um, where mm-hmm. Josh and other family members are there to talk through certain things or just live life and and work through that together. We have Thursday morning Bible study. We have first hour equipping hour. We there's probably a number of things. There's prayer more prayer meetings mm-hmm. um, before. A quipping hour right um, there's there's so many opportunities where we can interact and and spend more time and un- unpack good. certain things that we have so
2: and I'm just reminded even in our little times that we're having together the value of good biblical mm. conversations right yeah. uh, this isn't it's just for the podcast this is for us as right. well uh, have these kinds of conversations they take time right but they move us forward and uh, they're the kinds of conversations that we all can have at right. at in our at church and right. we want to have right or just even talking more about that it's yeah like, let's
0: unpack that a little more it's right. like i'm sure from here it's like it seems pretty standard straightforward but there's, there's so many nuances there's yeah. great areas or whatever that comes up so but yeah we'll wrap that up thank you guys for uh coming out and listening and uh until next time thank you so much thank you Yep. Bye. bye for now <laughs>